Welcome to our third week of our summer series. My name is Lucas Prado and I have the privilege of being the Pickering site pastor. By the way, today we're gathering Bowmanville, Ajax, Port Perry, a huge shout out to each one of you. And of course, like I have the privilege in our church of like pastoring this amazing flock in the Pickering community that has been so, so, so amazing. So a huge shout outs also to everyone in Pickering. And if you're watching home now for whatever reasons, you're not able to come, like a huge shout outs. I love each one of you. And what an amazing like time that we have, eh? That now as we're starting this series, like I hope that you're enjoying already like the start of this series. But also as we come here now to gather together and to listen to God's word, there's nothing better than now all of us coming and sitting at the table and waiting to hear the words of eternal life, words of our gods to all of us. This is all that we need. Words that they penetrate like deep inside of our souls and they're so abundant. They're all that we need. They're liberating to me and you. And I don't know about you, but I desperately need God's word in my life. There's nothing better. And you know what? Like God's word for all of us, it is a word that welcomes all of us. All of us from different stages of life, different backgrounds, different upbringings. We're all gathering here now and we're all gathering to hear the voice that is above every single voice. All the chaotic voices that we have in our contemporary days, they cease under God's voice. And Jesus Christ, he told us that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And now as we're all gathering here, we want him to show, to show us his way, his truth, his life to all of us. That's why today we turn to Luke chapter 15 that kicks off saying that tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. See, tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, religious leaders, disciples, all of them that were gathering around Jesus. And this is a beautiful representation of such a mosaic of so many diversity here. And why I'm saying this, because it is pretty much like what we're having here right now. I, I don't know, like if you took a look, a look at the, the people around you, if you're in the building, or even at home, like realizing where we're living now, and even GTA, this is a beautiful representation of such diversity that we're all having in our midst. And it is like for all of us that now God, he tells that he welcomes us. It is so interesting because here the Pharisees, they speak the truth, although they're murdering. And they say, this man, he welcomes all of them. He eats with them. And this is what God, he does. Like Jesus Christ, he's in the midst, in the midst of all of them. Why? Because Jesus, he knows that he's supposed to welcome and eat with them because only Jesus is able to bring the healing that they so much need in their lives. Chapters before, Jesus says, It is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to the call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So welcome everyone. All of us here, like we have a seat at the table. And guess what? It's like our God, he wants to prepare something amazing for all of us. Something, a meal that we all need so much in our lives. But let me tell you something, the meal today is quite different. Jesus sets the table in Luke chapter 15 and he brings to the table something that is shocking to all the ones gathering around him. Why? Because if I can summarize in one word what has been offered here with Jesus' words, it is one thing, lostness. Yes, 
lostness. I don't know, we don't like to hear about these words, but actually losses, we cannot deny that losses, they're part of our lives. And to be completely honest, sometimes it seems that life in itself seems to be like a series of, of several losses. If you think for a second, we're born, we lose the safety of the womb. We go to school, we lose the safety of family. Your first job and you lose the freedom of youth. You get married, you lose the possibility of other choices. Although I married the best woman ever in the world. You get old, you lose the beauty of your, of your youth. You get weak or sick and you lose your physical independence. A few months ago, I went to Brazil with my family and it was pretty much four years since last time that I went to Brazil. Four years that I wasn't together with my family. And as soon as we arrived there, my wife and I, our two kids, second day we went all together to the beach with all our relatives, my parents, my siblings, like all the nephews, all the nieces, all together there. And second day, my dad, he tripped and he broke his femur. All the trip, like in all the plans that we had, they had to be actually postponed. My daddy had to go to the hospital, surgery and all of that. You lose when you get weak or sick. But also there are other losses of our lives that they are deep to our own souls. The loss of intimacy because of a divorce. The loss of safety because of violence. The loss of innocence because of abuse. Loss of friends because of betrayal. Loss of love because of abandonment. Loss of home because of war. Loss of well-being because of hungry. Loss of dear ones because of an accident, a disease. Loss of dreams, loss of faith. Losses that we're all experiencing now in society throughout this whole pandemic. All that we have experienced and now like how it is playing a toll in our social being as well. The great divides, the great racism, the great indifference that sometimes we have in our midst. The loss of community, loss of unity, of apathy, of love. Losses are part of life, but guess what? They're not the wholeness of life. No, not at all. We all face lostness, but it is right here that we're invited to be found by God. And that's why Jesus' words, they're the words that we need so much in our lives, because they're not mere words. They're words of eternal life. And Jesus Christ has told us before that in this world, you will have trouble. Yes, trouble will come to all of us, but guess what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. And now the victorious one gathering all around these tax collectors, Pharisees, sinners, religious leaders, the disciples. Now here he comes and he teaches them. He comes and he brings these words of eternal life. Words about the losses that we face in life. But more than that, how we can be found. Verse 4, he says the first story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Let me set the stage for all of us. Jesus is talking again with this like diversity of so many people from different backgrounds. And for many of them, they would understand what he was mentioning here about sheep, shepherd, and all of that. A shepherd has a hundred sheep. And for their context, this means that this shepherd is not a well-off businessman. No. This is a tiny herd of sheep for their time. And here's like a small businessman, a simple and hardworking shepherd who loses one of his sheep. And what does he do? 
he leaves the 99. Where? In the open fields, and now he goes after his lost sheep. Not only for a second, not that he doesn't simply stretch his eyes while he's in the open field looking for the 99 and staying with them, but no, he leaves the 99 and now he goes after the lost sheep until when? Until he finds it. He's determined, he's driven, he's set for a mission and he goes after the lost one. Okay, that seems great, but with our human reasoning and understanding of risk management, we gotta ask a question, but, but why? What about the 99 others that they are there unprotected, unguarded in the open country? Sheep are well known for being stubborn, defenseless, oblivious to danger, easy to get lost, and constantly they're trapped and they fall into traps, fall off cliffs, all because of their limited senses. And now this shepherd guy who has a small herd, only a hundred sheep, he loses one of his stubborn ones, and now he leaves the 99, and he goes after the lost one until he finds it. Yep, that's what, you're looking, that's, what, that's what we're talking about here. All our risk management, strategic planning, talent management, employee retention goes all out of the window here. And we might be quick to judge and say like with ourselves, see, that's why he's just like simply a small businessman. He, he doesn't have the mind of a successful one. He's not too smart, he's too reckless. But context is crucial here. And it's worth mentioning that for many of the ones who surround Jesus, they grew up like with several references that they understand in the Old Testament that God is called the shepherd. And the people of Israel, they're called sheep. The famous Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 100 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And do you want to really hit home? Prophet Isaiah in the, in the Old Testament, he says, we all, all of us, like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. Yes, the Lord is our shepherd and he lives all that he has just because of one. And verse 5 continues, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes back home. He doesn't beat the sheep. It doesn't seem like that he's furious or mad at the sheep. But Jesus says that he joyfully, full of joy. Now he puts a dear sheep on his shoulder and he goes back home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. It's not time for stress, not time of frustration, anxiety. No, it is party time. He celebrates. But not simply that. Jesus continues. Second story. Or suppose a woman has ten silvers, ten silvers, and she loses one of them. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Again, context is everything. The silver coin that Jesus is just like mentioning here is called drachma. And drachma, it is what, it is a today's, like what would be like today, a day's wages. So pretty much if you work eight hours, we're talking about $120, Canadian dollars. That's pretty much like how much this woman she just lost. And again, Jesus is talking to a variety of people. For tax collectors, perhaps like this is not too much. This is nothing for them, it's not an issue. 
For sinners and the outcasts, perhaps like this is a great amount of money for them. For Pharisees and religious leaders, it's quite tricky because they, they know how actually the relevance of this money it is for so many people in society, including them. And Jesus goes on saying that, imagine that this woman, she's probably a, a poor woman, 10 coins, and now she loses 10% of her state fair. She loses 10% of her states. And I remember like a while ago, Pastor John talking about this passage, and he mentioned that parts of the culture there, women, they would actually keep their coins together with themselves in, her, in their headdress. And they kept there because it was part of their dowry. So her future and the ability to get married was all connected with those precious coins. And I know it is such like a different time. And nowadays we have all the advancements and we see like actually how women, they're all like so much involved in the marketplace. And this is so amazing. But make no mistake, there is something so precious here. Because this precious woman shows precious determination, wisdom, resilience as she lights a lamp because lost is found not in darkness but in light. And she sweeps the house and searches carefully. Not for a second, not for a few minutes. No, no distractions here. Like, no, this woman searches carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, it says, because of course, the essence of every single woman, they always find what is lost. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Again, party time. Do you get it? Sheep, coin, possessions, money, it's quite relevant, but do you want to really hit home? Third story, Jesus continues. There was a man who had two sons, two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. Father with two sons and the younger son says, come on, God, come on, come on, daddy. Let's talk about inheritance. Not in the future, not like later on, but now, like right here, right now. Not when you die, God. Daddy, like I want a way out of the fam. Give me my share of the state. I want what is mine and I want to go. And what does daddy do? He sells and he divides his property and he gives to the younger son. This is outrageous. This is the black sheep. This is ridiculous and makes no sense in our human understanding. Why on earth a dad would do that? So why he would allow such like a, an ungrateful act of his son towards him? But he does. He allows, and the son gets all his money, sets off to a distant country, and now he pursues his own definition of what is actually party. Wild living, no limits, no boundaries, no tomorrow. Go big or go home. And of course, because he's away from home, there's only one way from him. Go big. And he does it all. But see, soon all the money slips through his fingers. A famine comes to the whole country where he's staying. An economic recession and wild living is not a, a good combination. And suddenly, he loses every single thing that he has. Every single thing. He's lost now with no money, no more share that he had before. He starts to work on a farm feeding pigs. And you might say, good for him. At least like now he got his own job. But not really. 
See, in the Jewish context, pigs are an abomination. He grew up despising and rejecting anything associated with pigs. No bacon for him. And of course, even here, like he could not eat because he was not killing pigs. He was feeding them. He was caring for them. And now as he's caring for them because he's so, so hungry, he starts to fantasize the possibility of eating the pods of the pigs. The pods of the pigs are eating like he desires that. But it's interesting because even with that, like because he has like this empty stomach and he desires that, verse 16 says that no wonder. No one gave him anything. What a bottom line. This is a humbling experience for him. He chose the path for his life, and now the path has, has taken him so, to such a huge, tough, hard lesson of life. It almost cost his own life. And verse 17 says, But when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And he goes back. He goes back home. He goes where he belongs. And he does that. Why? Because he knows I'm lost here, but I can be found. And I know that I'm found home. And as soon as he goes, like before even entering the gates, right there from a very distant like place, his father sees him from very afar. And what does he do? He's filled with compassion, the father. And he runs to his son. He throws his arms and he embraces him. He kisses him. Yes, the father who lost parts of his state because of a reckless, ungrateful kids, now he's full of joy and he embraces him. He shows like a love to him. He doesn't care what others, what his neighbors, they might say about him. No, he doesn't care at all. Like he goes and he loves his son that was lost, but now is found. And then he says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before even continuing with that, like his father embraces him. And not simply embraces him, but immediately restores his honor as a son. Bring the best robe, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. And then the father said, let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead in his life again. He was lost and is found. Now it is party time. A whole celebration here. Do you get it? A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son, a shepherd, a woman, a father. What's Jesus telling us here with all these stories? Why he's talking to us about all these stories of the lost ones? Again, in our human eyes, in our perspectives, it doesn't make sense at all. A stubborn, a stubborn sheep, one piece of coin, an ungrateful son. What makes sense to us is that, hey, if you face this in your life, you gotta have boundaries. You need to protect yourself. Don't go like and now like lose all that you have because of one when you have 99. Come on, like really you're going like, to now start to sweep and look for one coin. And now that you have this coin, you're going to celebrate? Celebrate what? Like you were careless and now you're celebrating and, and, and spending money with your friends and neighbors because you found a, a coin that was lost? What about the father then? We will give away like all that you have, all like for many years, all the sweats and bloods, all that you have been able to accomplish in your life. And now you give away to an ungrateful kid that doesn't know what to do with that. 
And not simply this, like, what about your reputation? What are others they might say about you? And see, like in our human eyes, it doesn't make sense at all because it's not supposed to make sense to our human eyes. Because what Jesus Christ is talking to us here, it is only one word. What makes sense for all of this, it is only one word. And the word is love. Yes, love. Love for the lost ones. And God, he is love. And what Jesus is saying here, that it's because of God's love that now he's able to go like out to the lost one, to the ones that they don't have him. That's why, because he loves so much and it doesn't matter the spectrum of life that you're coming from. It doesn't matter if you're the tax collector, the sinner, the Pharisee, the religious leader, the disciple. For all of you, Jesus is saying, it's because of love that I'm sharing these stories. Because you can be all lost by yourselves in life, but with me you can be found. In me you have a love that you so much need. You were, you were made to be loved by me. See, like last week, Pastor John, he was talking to us about these chats, amazing chats, so fundamental between Jesus and Nicodemus. And right there, like on John chapter 3, we have this famous verse that all of us, we know. For God so much loved the entire world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. This is, this is the gigantic, immense, massive love of God to all of us. That's why, that's, that's why he goes out of like where he is and he reaches you and me. That's why Jesus Christ now telling this story later on, he's going to go to the cross, to die on the cross for each one of us. Why? Because he loves. Because God so much loved the entire world. And you see, like, I know, I know, like, this is a lot for us to grasp because in our own human minds, we don't, we cannot fully comprehend what type of love it is that. See, like, in our, in our contemporary languages, we, we miss, we miss actually the meaning for the word love. But in the original Greek, there were several meanings for the word of love. Eros, philia, storage, some of them. But actually, the, the meaning that Jesus Christ is talking here is agape, agape love. It is a love that doesn't flow from our horizontal way of living. It doesn't flow from we humans. Agape love it is a love of God, an unconditional love. And do you know like, what is a strong definition of agape love? Love for the unlovable ones. Love for the unlovable ones, for the ones that we, like according to our human standards, we're not capable of loving them. We're not able to recognize that even through all the screwed up of lives, through all the mess up that we might do, he's still, he's still able to love us. He loves us deeply. And this is a type of love that surpasses our knowledge. This is the love of God for all of us. He lives in 99 and he goes and he finds each one of us. Why? Because he loves us. And see, like, this is not a merit that we have. It's not about, like, what you can do to earn this love, but it's freely given to you and me. And the only thing that we got to do with his arms open wide for you and me, it is to simply accept his love, be allowed to be loved by him. And we do this, like, by two things, repentance and homecoming. 
repentance, like the younger son saying, you know what, I'm here in the bottom pit of my life, but I know there is home, and I was created to be home with my father. I'm going to go back home. This is repentance. I turn over from where I'm at. See, like the Apostle Paul has said before, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, like I want you to be the Lord of my life and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is repentance. And of course, like repentance is followed with homecoming. As soon as like I repent, I got I to gotta come home. You don't keep yourself lost in the world. It's like, no, you know that, that you're supposed to be home with your father. You have a home. You have a kingdom that is like right there, like kingdom of love that is available to you, and you go back home. This is beautiful, and this is what we're supposed to do. No matter where you are in life right now, you can go back home to God. But see, the story doesn't end here. And I know that as we're grasping all of this and trying to understand these stories, yes, like it is God's love, like reaching each one of us. But as soon as he reaches us, he doesn't want to leave us where we are, but constantly he wants to reshape, he wants to change, modes, transform all of us. The story of the son doesn't end because actually it is not one son. It is two sons. The younger son messed up, repented, and came back home. But the elder son, he always stayed home. He didn't seem rebellious as the younger one. But now he sees the whole party happening. The, he hears the music and he becomes what? Outrageous. He refuses to join the party. This is not fair. This is not right. And right there, Jesus continues. So his father went out and pleaded, pleaded with the, under, with the elder son. But the elder son goes on saying how actually he devoted his whole life to be there with the father. And he doesn't feel that he was recognized by the father. The younger son came to his senses and came back home. But the elder son, he's home, but he lost all his senses. He says on verse 29, look all these years I've been slaving for you. I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Son, no, I, I feel like I'm a slave. And I too want to celebrate in my own terms, in my own way with my friends. See, like he's lost at home. He doesn't feel anymore. He, he doesn't know that he's loved by the Father. And every single thing that the Father has, it is his as well. And, and this summarizes a lot also our own generation. Like all of us, like we feel like we feel that we don't have what we deserve. And our feelings, they take us to this roller coaster of like constant, like sometimes we feel great, sometimes like we feel totally lost. But it's right here that God has like a response to us. And he says, son, daughter, I embrace you. I love you. All that I have is yours. Verse 30, 31, Jesus says, my son, the father says, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. Don't you get it? All that I have here is yours. But come on, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Yes, he's my son, my younger son, and he's back home, but he's your brother. Can't you see this? This is a warning to all of us, and we are all called to have the same love. Come on, all of us that were called to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Are you following his path of love? 
Are you loving the same way that God loves? We're all called to love, and that's why Jesus said in John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain all in my love. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We can't do this apart from him. And to be honest, like I know it is so tough sometimes loving in the same way that he does. Sometimes like we have like so many issues, struggles, problems with relationships. And, and it's right there that we question, do I love in the same way that he does? And that's why, again, agape love it is a love that not, doesn't flow from us. It flows from him, but we got to remain in him, connected with him, desiring him more and more in our lives and asking, please, God, give us your love. That's why even as we're here staying home, in the same way with the younger son, we need to, have to go with the same path and say, God, you know what? I repent if I haven't loved. I am homecoming, God. I'm coming to you and I want to love like you love. And this is not something cheap. This is not something easy at all. Like this is an invitation to all of us that requires like a, a, a lot of work, but it's not our work. It's not us like trying to climb the ladder and trying to love as he loves. It's not like us like on our own, like saying, okay, what am I going to do in all the repairs that I got to do on my own? But it's right here that we got to go back to God, to God who is love and say, God, please baptize us in your love. See, like all of us, we're so lost with all that's happening nowadays. And many of us, like we're, we're asking the question, but what's going to be with us? What's going to happen with our society? How can we make a difference? And let me tell you something, the difference is going to start when all of us, we come to God and say, God, please, we want a genuine revival here. And most of all, we need a revival of love, that we are filled with your love, overwhelmed with your love. And now we can love others in the same way. It is so easy to love the ones that they look like you. They smell like you. They talk like you. It is so easy for me to set a table at my home for the ones that I already, I'm already used to love. But it's right here right now that we've got to come to God and say, God, please, you need to circumcise our hearts. And it might, it might bleed a little bit. It might be like tough at first. It might be so difficult. But right here, God, start to come like and, and pour out your love in our lives. Stir up our hearts so we can love in the same way that you love. And only then, only then the world, like all over us, they're going to start to see there's something different in you guys. It's not about our programs. It's not about like what we're trying to just to accomplish with our own hands, with our strength. No, it requires God to be the center of it all. And as he's at the center of it all, we need to desire him so much. The desire that he loves flows in us and through us now to the whole world. This is the church. This is the call for all of us. And see, love can only exist in relationship. And sometimes, yes, it's going to hurt. It's going to be misinterpreted, misunderstood. It's going to be misused sometimes. But it's right here that we say, in, we say to God, God, you know what? Like, I don't know how I can do this on my own. But I choose not to do this on my own. I choose to go to a path of love, humility, and unity above all with all my brothers and sisters. Who are the ones that God has put in your life that you're supposed to love and you have such a tough time to do so? See, for all of us, younger sons and daughters... If you're lost, if you're away from home, now here today, he calls you back home. And his love is all that you need so much in your life. 
and for all of us, elder sons and elder daughters. This is, not a, this is not a new message, but this is a note one that this is the pillar one for all of us. We need to remain in his love and we need to be changed in his love, transformed, molded, shaped in his love. And we can only do this when we come to him and say, God, I repent. Bring me back to my first love. Bring me back to you. As we finish this time, I think it is so appropriate what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Ephesus. The letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, he says, For this reason, for this reason, knowing of so much of your love to us, God, and how, how your love brings this whole life to all of us, and how you're calling us to love others, for this reason now, God, we all kneel before the Father, we kneel before you, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It's all about your name, Jesus Christ. And now I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirits in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. But I also pray that you, all of us, each one of us, being rooted in establishing love, may we have power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ to all of us and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, totally filled, and now overwhelming this, outpouring this to wherever you are, to all the ones that they need God's love, to the measure of the fullness of God. May this be our prayer. We need his love so much to all of us. Lost ones, younger ones, older ones, all of us, we need his love.